Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McKellen. There's a new television series about the blind. That series is called In the Dark. In the Dark currently airs on the CW Network. According to Variety Magazine, the show follows a blind heroine named Murphy who may have a crushing emotional immaturity and be a short-tempered alcoholic with a liking for one-night stands. But Murphy takes on a dangerous mission. Express reports that she goes with her guide dog, Pretzel, to find the killer of her friend, Tyson. Does Murphy find her friend's murderer? Well, the actress who plays Murphy, Perry Matfeld, is here to give us the answer. We also have the program's creator, Corinne Kingsbury, and blind consultant, Lori Bernson, here to tell us more about In the Dark and the inspiration behind this thrilling series. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome. Hi, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. That was a wonderful intro. Thank you. (laughs) I loved that. (laughs) Let's learn about everybody here first. Perry, I was looking at the Internet Movie Database, and you've had quite an amazing acting career. You've appeared in many films, including Patrick Carman's Dark Eden, Cow Coast, For Educational (laughs) Purposes Only, you were also in Shameless, Homecoming, and the well-known Wizards of Waverly Place. How did you strike out to become an actress and appear on all these shows and movies? Well, I actually, I do feel like I'm still at the beginning of my career, which is why um, I'm so proud to be on a show as powerful as In the Dark, you know, at the beginning, because I feel like that's setting me up for the trajectory of a career that I do want to have. I want to continue to be a part of quality um quality content that we have within the dark which of course corinne is an incredible writer so i feel like if i'm on that path now i want to stay on that path um i kind of fell into acting i was a dancer um singer and kind of fell into it somehow was cast as an american girl in the live tour um when i was 13 and then that's kind of how I started and then thought, oh, I guess I'm kind of good at this. Maybe I should do it. <laughs> I took a break for school um, and I've been back full time since. How did you get into In the Dark? Did you have to audition? Yeah, that I think I auditioned 11, 10 or 11 times. Um, that's <laughs> kind of normal, <laughs> um, I guess, because I started with my audition. Then you do a callback. Then you do you know, a a casting director session, then you do a producer session, then you test at CBS, then at the CW, then back to CBS because they had second thoughts, then you go back to CW. Anyways, um, to me, as grueling as that process was, that just meant that they were that more dedicated to doing everything right. So I appreciate that. Now, CBS is the one who's got current rights to the show, right? Uh, That's correct, right, Corinne? Yeah, CBS Studios for the CW. Okay. So, Corinne, tell us about your job as TV program creator and executive producer. I was looking at the CW Press's site and says that you've not only created In the Dark, but also the CBS sitcom, Bam, 
Yeah, you know, it was kind of a crazy year for me. Um, I came from just doing, you know, every year I would do a pilot and they wouldn't get made. And I, that was sort of how I made my money. I was just, you know, I just would make a pilot every year and write a pilot every year. And I was so into TV and my dream has always been having a TV show. Um, and this was sort of the first year I had written two. I was like, and I had a three month old baby and I was like, Oh, I'll just, you know, keep busy and write two pilots. And there's no way they're both going to ever get made. And, um, this is kind of sort of like my, my, my dream beating me up this, this last year. <laughs> uh, be careful what you wish and for. So, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. So I came from having no shows to having two shows to being two first time shows and, and a baby and a husband. And, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like women have this thing where we feel like we have to do it all. And I can tell you on my end, I couldn't, I literally had to call my mom and be like, you need to move in with me and help me. Like as a 37 year old woman, I needed my mommy to come and help me get through this last year. <laughs> um, Nothing wrong with that. I know. And she's still there lives for? with me and <laughs> she's still there and she's unfortunately going to move out soon. But I think, you know, hopefully I'm going to have empty nest syndrome in the opposite way. Uh, so it was just this crazy ride that I've had. And, uh, I did two very extremely different shows. There's a multicam and then this sort of very dark indie, um, comedic drama. And I, you know, I worked seven days a week and 15 hour days. And I'm surprised that I'm still here talking to you guys, to be honest. You know, we, we, Brian, we were on, we were in Toronto filming and of course Toronto's completely different time zone than where our writer's room was in LA. And so if we started at 6am, you know, on a Thursday, started our filming day, we'd have questions about the script or questions about things that, you know, we, we were just curious kind of what Corinne was picturing and we'd say, well, someone can text her, but you know, it's, don't forget it's 3 a.m. So she probably won't answer. And she'd be like, hi guys. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I know. I never slept. And I also like did this thing where I wake up so early that there's a period of time where I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I was going to text Harry at like six in the morning recently. And I'd be like, well, you're going to respond in 11 hours. And like a normal person. Wakes up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We've all learned to turn our phones off. If it's yes, emergency right. time. <laughs> now, why, was uh, why, why was the show shot in Toronto and not Chicago? Cause on the show, I watched the show and, and you guys always mentioned Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Uh-huh. You know, it's so funny. I did a, I did an interview yesterday for the Chicago Tribune and they asked me the same thing. And I am obsessed with Chicago. My husband is from Chicago. I'm a giant Cubs fan. Um, Chicago is mm-hmm. my favorite cities in the world. And I tend to try to set uh, shows in places that I want to be. And so I know that I want to be in Chicago. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God, I get to be in Chicago. And they're like, oh, we're shooting in Toronto. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and it turned out, like, I would only spent, like, a week in Toronto. And I fell in love with Toronto as well and Toronto is now one of my favorite cities and it turns out what they say is true the Canadians are just so nice and I will say the food scene there is incredible it's just a great great city um but I set it in Chicago because I love Chicago and I thought we would be shooting there (laughs) Lori you were the inspiration for in the dark 
How did your life inspire the CW to create this unique drama? I, I would peg it that when I spoke to some executives at the network and I just talked about my life and blindness and having a guide dog. And I, I hope, and I think what came across is that my blindness is not what defines me. You know, I have a life. I have so many different facets and so many things that have happened and funny things and not so funny things, but it doesn't, it doesn't bring my life down. It doesn't bring my life into just a world of blindness. It's, in fact, it's added a lot to my world and so much to tell from a, a, a real life standpoint rather than the possible uh, stereotypical um, person who's blind on TV may not be shown so, you know, in their internal feelings and in their, you know, emotional range of other things in the world, but usually more focused on the emotional range of their blindness. And I, I would like to say that I, I don't focus on that and just living the world sighted, not sighted. We're all, all different people with different things going on. And I'm, I'm glad that that came across and got translated into in the dark. There's been a little controversy here, everyone. I was looking at Deadline, and it says that the TV critics wonder why the show originally didn't cast a visually impaired or blind actress and a real guide dog to play the lead roles. Why was this the case? Um, I Well, do you want me to take that, you guys? or? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well... As far as working with a real guide dog, I mean, obviously, we would not take a, a working guide dog out of service to do an acting job. Not that it's any less, but for all of the training and the yeah. finances that go into you know training a team to happen, that would probably be a really much needed job for a guide dog. Um, and... As far as Corinne, you can probably address as far as all the auditions that yeah, were done absolutely. With I mean, we here. went yeah, we had so many. We went to um, thirty schools for the blind. We really went everywhere. Our casting department went everywhere, and we and that's where we found Callie, um, who plays Chloe on our show. Uh, we found her at her school, and she came in and auditioned, and she just really knocked our socks off. And I'm. And I'm very, very um, uh, focused on finding more people uh, that are visually impaired to be in our second season as well. Um, both yeah, I think, the I think there and also in front of the camera. Yeah, there wasn't just an emphasis on uh, Murphy. It was on finding finding different artists from the blind community for for every aspect, for our writers' room, for like I, like Karen said, you know, that's how we found Cali as well. Um, we got to have so many people from the blind community that got to be on, on our set for the first time, which was their first time on a, you know, on a 300 crew giant TV set. So experiencing that with them for the first time was also really exciting for me. Perry, you got to tell us about Pretzel, your guide dog. He's played by Levi, his breed and why he was named Pretzel. Uh, Levi is a hundred percent, uh, purebred perfect, uh, from America. She is an American dog. She's lives in 
Canada. She's a very, very talented actress. Uh, she's very experienced. <laughs> and if you ever thought your own pet was cute, uh, you're, it's not. Levi is the cutest, <laughs> most talented, brilliant, disciplined. Um, just having not only her to come to at work every day, but guide dogs on set almost every day and then puppies on set almost every day. You couldn't get a better workplace. And she also, Levi also squeals whenever she sees Perry. <laughs> well, you know, it was kind of funny like because when Perry walked on set, she like she like actually I I was like I I was on set for the last episode and they're like, "Okay, bring Levi in." And then Levi comes in and the moment Perry walked on set, she started squealing like a dolphin. I never seen anything like it was so crazy. <laughs> well, what's it's funny love. is she have a very because she was bond. working yeah. because she was working um, you know, her her trainer or animal wrangler whose name is V, she's wonderful. She would just emphasize because Levi needs to stay focused, you know, if we can keep the distractions to a minimum, please don't touch her or talk to her. However, Perry, you can bond and love on her as much as you want. So it, it was kind of, yes, I'm so in love with her and we bonded, but it's almost not fair because she didn't really, no one else got to get as close to her as I did. Um, but she, she's a, a better co-star than I am. She she definitely doesn't like sharing the limelight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to get to the plot. We got to get to the plot. Okay. Okay. The plot thickens. The plot thickens now. Perry, what's in the dark Uh-oh. all about? What is it about? Well, you know, we have this murder mystery that, funny enough, kind of, as much it is, as it is the 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 main plot line, it tends to kind of fall to the back because our show is so character driven and you have these incredible relationships that, you know, are, are peeled apart and, and so layered. And I feel like the show is mostly about, you know, Murphy and her relationships with these people and how her own self-destruction kind of affects these relationships um, while also having this murder mystery happen, you know, that that centers around this boy named Tyson that we've fallen so in love with. Um, so the the character driven aspect of it is what I think makes it makes it so special. All right. So are you looking for the end, Brian? Like what's going <laughs> to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> uh, I've signed things that say I can't. So okay. Okay. You know what? You should okay. interview Pretzel. <laughs> Pretzel might tell you. They'll tell you everything. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, Pretzel only speaks weak. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> I, I'd have to get a dog translator. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, the show follows Murphy, this blind, irreverent, and flawed woman who is the only witness to murder of Tyson. How do you and Pretzel set out to solve the case as the local police keep saying, you know, we dismiss your story? Do you want me to take it or do you want Perry to take it? Perseverance. I grabbed it. Oh, Oh, basically, like, I mean, what what was so interesting about, uh, this is Corinne High, (laughs) what was so interesting about this was I think that, um, you know, Murphy isn't a 
trained detective. She's never, you know, she's not a, she, she's never done this before. And when we sat down to really write out these episodes and to arc out this, I, I never wanted her to be good at, good at it. Like I was so into authenticity and I was like, this is not somebody who's going to easily solve this, uh, this case in the way that a police officer would. So I really just got down to like, what is, um, what would a regular civilian do if their friend went missing? And that's what we discussed a lot in the writer's room. And we had a lot of great writers and we just would uh, talk about like, what would you do? Like, I would be like, what would you do if, you know, what would be your next step? And so we never wanted her to be too good at it. And that was the, I, I think that's her journey is that she's not really that great. at it. <laughs> um, all she has is like, she just loves her friend and she won't give up. And, 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 and really that's the best quality that you can have is just tenacity and not giving up. And that's what Murphy has. And that's the reason why she figures it out um, at the end of the season, which I can say that it is wrapped up at the end of the season. Um, so we do find out what happened to Tyson. Um, well, Murphy not only finds Tyson's killer, but manages her job that she hates at breaking blind. This is the guide dog school owned by her overprotective parents. And she also has a colorful yeah. dating life. Do, do, um, Lori, do you find yeah. that there are not everybody, but at least some blind and visually impaired people out there in the real world go through like what Murphy goes through on the show? I think, well, we, we did change the name to Guiding Hope. And I think... Just as sighted people, you know, people who are blind and obtaining a guide dog, there's so many decisions, it's a responsibility. And because everybody is so different, everybody takes on each, it, like coming to get a guide dog in itself is a whole decision-making psychological, you know, process. And if it's somebody who recently lost their vision versus someone who was born blind that's a different process and individually it's a different process so there's as far as the authenticity of exactly how everybody handles it it's not like a cookie cutter way like I'm sure the way that I handled it would be different than every other person who is blind who came to a guide dog school uh, do we necessarily you know see many people who work at a guide dog school hanging out on the bench smoking <laughs> probably <laughs> if, if the you know if the owners saw that probably wouldn't be happening but in Murphy's case her parents kind of leave her to be very very independent and it's it, I think the main thing to know is that it's authentic because authenticity is to each individual and whether they're sighted or blind you just what's authentic to me and some of the stuff that might be in the show, people might look at it and say, well, that's not really authentic. But, but it is because if I do it, it's authentic. <laughs> and if you do it, it's authentic. But it's not by the book. But neither am I and neither are pretty much most guide dog users and most sighted people. It's really not a blind thing. That makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Lori <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Lori makes. I know. Sometimes I just come out with one that will kind of grab you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I glad that Lori. I said. <laughs> When I first met Lori, she had um, she had her guide dog, and I said, "Can I pet him?" And she's like, "You're not supposed to when you're when he's working, but I don't give a <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, we're gonna have to bleep that out. Yep, we're gonna beep that. Corinne. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> there was one scene that I love so much is Perry was in the passenger seat, and her mom was driving her, and Pretzel was in the back seat, and Pretzel got out of the car. And I heard one of the people on the crew say, oh, a guide dog wouldn't get out of the car like that. So I said, wait, what did Pretzel do? And they said, Pretzel came from the back seat and over Perry's lap and out the door. And I said, oh, and, and then Perry said, Pretzel did what Carter does. Carter's my guide dog. So therefore, you cannot say that that's not authentic. It's just not what's expected, and that's what I love about the show is it's real stuff that's not expected because people don't have that image of things not being perfectly done by the book. I see. Um, I understand that In the Dark is the first audio-described show for the CW. How did In the Dark become the CW's first audio-described show? Well, I think it was very important and a priority for everybody to make sure it was accessible to everyone. And um, I don't think there was any, it was a question for anyone. It was, a, it was one of our, our first things that we discussed when the show got picked up. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm so proud that that show has, um, is the first. And I, I hope it's the first of many, not just in the CW, but on all networks. I also think because Lori became such a, you know, voice of this show and champion of this show like okay well it needs to, everything needs to be in the world of Lori in Lori's, in Lori's oh world. I like that I like that so <laughs> <laughs> I think you know just because obviously she's so involved in the show well then that that's also a part of her world so that that wasn't a question about about what would what would yet be another aspect of this show it certainly is and I want our listeners to know, In the Dark airs on The CW every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Yes, Eastern. And yes, also Pacific. We can't forget the West Coast mm-hmm. viewers. Right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's where we are. Is the show also available online? It is available on the CW app. And then after all of the episodes have aired, we will drop on Netflix. Everyone, this is an exciting show. We hope that our listeners will tune in. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you for Thank having you, us. Brian. Thank you, Brian. Before we go, listeners, Thank I welcome you. your comments on this show. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org. And my show archive is at acbradio.com. 
dot org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Debbie and I'm Shannon and we've been known as the good and high or the loopy ladies <laughs> on Mondays with our back-to-back shows which are pretty fun if you haven't had a chance to check us out yet yeah the good energy mix and Reese's Pieces where we eat chocolate and get giggly <laughs> oh I want that chocolate oh man <laughs> we are changing our times yeah because the times they are a changing Oh, boy, are they ever. Uh-huh. Let's see. You start at 10 Eastern for two hours of the Good Energy Mix, which I understand you're changing the format a little bit. Yeah, some of the faster music that isn't quite right for in the choir. Gotta have that energy. People need it on my show. They gotta exercise. We gotta have energy. <laughs> and we like to get loopy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get really loopy on my show, Reese's Pieces, which starts at 12 Eastern, right after the, Jeff, right after the, yeah. and cool, so we'll stay good and high together. Absolutely, and it'll be a gem of a good time if you join us. Yeah, 10 to 1, right? No. 10 to 2. Oh, man, you stole my hour, the times aren't changing that Catch the Good Energy Mix from 10 to 12 and Reese's Pieces from 12 to 2 each Monday here on ACB Radio Interactive. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. You are listening to ACB Radio.